Hello and welcome to night number 29 of 31 Nights of Fright, year 3, the franchise. My name is Adam and I'll be your host. Tonight is marking the end, the end of the Hellraiser franchise. Who knows if they will actually have new movies made in this series. It seems that the rights will more than likely revert back to Clive Barker. But before we get too far into that, I think we should announce the movie. This is the 2018 Gary J. Tunnicliffe directed Hellraiser Judgment. Hellraiser Judgment starts us off with a conversation between the auditor and Pinhead. They're basically discussing that it's harder to get people to play with the puzzle box. But thankfully, they own a home, and this home is a passageway or a link to the hell world and our world. There is also the main plot slash subplot of a serial killer on the loose with cops trying to track the serial killer down. So you take notice that I said that there's almost two plots running in this film. They're running alongside each other. Honestly, it's tough to tell what is the main plot and what is the subplot. We have the whole Cenobites and Pinhead aspect, even though Pinhead kind of takes a back seat. The one, in my opinion, that really seems to be front and center is the character of the Auditor. The Auditor is an interesting character. We don't really get a whole lot of backstory on the Auditor, and maybe that's what makes him interesting. This is played by Gary J. Tunnicliffe, who also wrote and directed this one. He also wrote the last one, Hellraiser Revelations. Of course, Revelations wasn't that great of a film, but I think that there could have been a good movie in that one. This one here is a better than average Hellraiser film, in my opinion. We do have that character of the Auditor, and Gary J. Tunnicliffe actually does a pretty good job in his role. I think his writing helps because he's been involved with the Hellraiser franchise for a long time. He's been doing it since, I believe, either the first or second Hellraiser film, and he seems to know a little bit about what makes the series tick and what works and doesn't work. Of course, some things here do not work, but I appreciate the effort that went into it. Thankfully, we are supplied with a story that is different enough. And I say different enough because it does have a story that is very similar to Hellraiser 5 Inferno, which is the better movie, of course. But some of the more interesting aspects that are presented here, such as hell and heaven politics, is honestly something that we haven't seen before. As somebody who is not religious, I find this aspect interesting. It's interesting because this is something that was almost covered in the video game that came out earlier this year, Doom Eternal. It's kind of a similar idea. I'm pretty sure that the developers at id did not rip that idea off but the idea that heaven and hell are almost working in conjunction while being at the complete opposite ends of the spectrum is something that hasn't been seen here of course some of the religious ideas are turned up here and it works 
we're getting stuff that we haven't seen before, yet some of the stuff is similar. I don't like some of the more extreme aspects of this one, and I say more extreme aspects because a lot of the stuff really reminds me of Saw again. Just like some of the things in Hellraiser Hellworld, some of the things here have a very Saw-like vibe to it. With this one, it's very clear that they weren't going for scares or anything, which scares really haven't been very present in the Hellraiser franchise. They definitely seem to have a quality of trying to make you uneasy or uncomfortable and maybe even gross you out a little bit. There is a lot of gross things that occurred throughout the franchise and series. This one takes it up to another notch in my opinion. There's a scene near the beginning of the film which is a vomit scene and it feels like too much. I don't even know like how or why it would truly make sense to eat tears of children and have pages from the auditor then throw them up and dig through to make a verdict by a jury of half-naked women that are digging through this to determine a verdict of guilty or not guilty I'm assuming just about everybody that comes through there, if not everybody, would be determined guilty. Oh yeah, they're also missing parts of their face. The only thing that I can think of is that this was done to disgust and possibly maybe even show like another S&M style kink. I know there's some pretty weird things that people do, not judging, it's up to you, what, you know, if you're into something like that. To me, it's pretty gross. It hasn't been seen before in the Hellraiser world with uh, something so vile. It's not enough to make me stop watching the movie, but it just seemed like a little much. One of the scenes in the movie, too, that's pretty close towards the beginning is one of the first murders that we don't get to see on screen, but we see the aftermath. and. It involves a lady with a with her dog in her stomach and it again it's a pretty nasty moment it just seems like they did it because they could and i don't know if this is what people would really want from a hellraiser film i myself being a fan of the series don't really want to see things like this but hey at least it's different thankfully a lot of that stuff mellows out a little bit they only kind of front load all this stuff i guess to see if you are going to stop watching it you know maybe all right the first 20 minutes if you can handle this then the movie is watchable for you of course this is one without doug bradley thankfully the actor that they have here actor paul t taylor really isn't bad He's actually pretty good. He's much better than the last guy for Hellraiser Revelations. He actually captures a little bit of what Doug Bradley was doing and is allowed to make the role a little bit of his own. He's successful because while he's trying to mimic what Doug Bradley did, he's not trying to veer too far off while still making it his own. I honestly appreciate that. Of course, he's not in the movie very much. It would have been great to see Doug Bradley come back. But again, I think his days of playing Pinhead are over. 
Unless they find somebody with similar acting chops, Doug Bradley is always, always going to be the hell priest known as Pinhead. This one even has a weird blink and you'll miss it cameo. She may be on screen for, I don't know, maybe 20 seconds or so. And that's Heather Langenkamp who played Nancy from A Nightmare on Elm Street. It would have been nice to actually see her in a somewhat more meaty role. However, it is great to see her. I just wish there would have been more of her. Especially since I remember when this movie was getting made when it was in production. It was big news when it was, oh, Heather Langenkamp is coming back to horror and coming back to acting. And, well, sadly, she's not really in the movie. Another oddball thing that I noticed in my rewatch of this one is that the music for the opening of the movie really reminds me of the opening theme song for American Horror Story. Honestly, the opening credits are actually kind of good looking for a relatively cheap production. This is another one that Miramax made simply to hold on to the rights. Wasn't made for much money, I think it might have been made over the course of two weeks or so. But as a whole, it's a step up production wise compared to the last film. It still looks kind of cheapish, but it's truly an amazing feat to deliver a decent looking and fairly well made film on a tight budget. So as I stated before, the most interesting thing about this movie is the character of the auditor. The auditor writes down the person's sins and that's where things get interesting because that's where the guy eats the pages and we get the whole thing with the being judged. The auditor character himself, I wonder if we were to get a sequel because Gary J. Tunnicliffe actually owns the character of the auditor. It's his creation. I wonder what it would be like to have a Hellraiser film that was not actually involved with Hellraiser. They could theoretically make this. He would just need money to make it actually happen. I will say that I don't like the idea in the movie that Heaven and Hell is buying up real estate, specifically a house. I don't know if they bought this house because they wanted to fix it up and maybe flip it. I don't know who would buy it. Who would you buy it from, the demon or the angel? That would be a tough decision. I guess it would be who would give you the better deal. Of course, I'm making jokes there, but the whole idea with that is just strange. I wish there would have been more to do with the puzzle box, but it's nice to see it show up, too. I do like that Pinhead and the Auditor are working with or being controlled by Heaven in general. There is an angel introduced in this movie, and the fact that Heaven would allow the evil to continue, the evil of the serial killer... I forgot to mention the name. The serial killer's name was the Perceptor. They're going to allow that to continue because of fear, almost with the same idea how people would fear God. Well, this, they're going to fear death, and they would also fear evil. So it works on a whole bunch of different levels. Pinhead and the Auditor, mostly this is Pinhead's decision, do make a bad one. The bad decision that they make is they kill the angel. She even goes and says Jesus wept, similar to what Frank says in the first Hellraiser film. It almost feels like it all comes full circle. 
If they don't make another Hellraiser film in this continuity, that's fine because they actually kind of ended it and I have no idea how they would actually bring Pinhead back. They don't kill Pinhead off, but the auditor says, what if there's suffering that they could not handle? In this case, the suffering is becoming mortal. We actually see Pinhead become mortal at the end of the film. He's just a homeless man. So is that to say that the homeless man that's been the guardian of the box, is that that they're past Cenobites? I don't know. It really doesn't make sense, but I guess Pinhead being mortal completely closes it off that you no longer need Pinhead. I am 100% for shaking up the formula. The formula definitely needed shaking up. We don't really get a very original story, but we do have some branching paths that go into different directions. With that, though, I don't know if these were the right things to actually go with. Overall, this movie is a solid one. It's a solid entry in the Hellraiser franchise, specifically because the last two films were not all that great. By default, this makes it a better film. So if you can handle some early gross-out moments, it's a pretty rewarding movie to watch, and if you watch it with an open mind, you may even come away enjoying it and saying, oh, that wasn't all that bad. There's a good possibility that we will never get another Hellraiser film, and I am okay with that. The rights now are going back to the creators. Wes Craven's family now has the rights to A Nightmare on Elm Street. Friday the 13th is in a rights battle at the moment. I'm fairly certain Clive Barker will get the rights back to Hellraiser. Will Clive Barker decide that this is the time to make a reboot or a continuation or another story that's in the Hellraiser series? Who knows? I think he's probably over Pinhead at this point, and I think, if anything, he would wind up rebooting it. He could also lock the rights up tight. There was rumor that there's going to be a Hellraiser TV show for HBO Max. I don't think that's going to get off the ground before Clive Barker puts a stop to it. Or at the very least, comes up with a story that's something that he's going to give his blessing to. As it stands, Hellraiser was a very uneven series. I would like to see it come back as I am a fan of it. I'm a fan of Clive Barker's works. I think Clive Barker is probably best in a written form. He's probably a better writer than he is a director, but all of his directed films are very interesting. So hopefully they do come up with something that is satisfying for fans like me. If not, we have a few excellent films in the series a few awful ones and a few average ones but with that i'm going to close out tonight's episode as a reminder you can find me on twitter and instagram at adam underscore analyzes if you don't do the whole social media thing you can also go and reach me at adam analyzes podcast at gmail.com If you need to catch up on past episodes, you can also do that at adamanalyzes.com. And 
If you do have a free moment, I would greatly appreciate it if you would leave a five-star rating at the podcast listening platform of your choice. It'll allow me to continue to make new episodes and reach new listeners. But with that being said, be kind and good night.